This is Lon Winters with Graphic Elephants. This is Jimmy Lamp. This is Matt Masala with the RhinestoneWorld.com. And you're listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. And you are listening to the Two Regular Guys Podcast. Podcast. Hosted by... My name is Terry Combs RG. Regular Guy. And Aaron Montgomery. We're just regular guys having fun and uh, trying to, to make a living in this really cool and exciting industry. I think we all want to succeed 100% of the time. Seek to understand before I try and make myself understood. Bring a ton of great information. Coming to you live from somewhere dark, dirty, and dank. All right. Well, welcome into the show. It is Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Terry Combs, and you can find me at terrycombs.com. Uh, and you might have noticed, uh, this is Eric Campbell who's here sitting in today for Aaron Montgomery. So no Aaron today, but Aaron is traveling back from judging Skills USA. So all that awesome stuff with the sublimation contest he was preparing for got done, went well, and we can't wait to hear more from him. But you can find me at ericcampbell.com. And today we're excited to bring you Josh Ellsworth, Executive VP with Group Stall. And he's going to be bringing us awesome info as usual. But this on profit trends and heat transfers, can't wait to get to it because we know he's got great information as always. Fantastic. Yeah, Eric is or Aaron is somewhere between Atlanta and here. And uh, we we got we got the uh, the heads up that, hey, Eric, uh, are you going to be able to jump in just in case? Hey, it's just in case, Eric. <laughs> yeah, it's often just in case. <laughs> what I will say is, uh, honestly, though I'm pushing buttons, you'll see my eyes drifting around a little bit while we're on screen. <laughs> this is not something we haven't done before. We have some good stuff prepared, and Aaron did some uh, good work there. And honestly, Josh is a always good for it. He always has the information he needs. He knows how to be online. And we have this great slate of questions and answers coming from Josh. So I, I couldn't be happier to get to sit, uh, step in on this one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the last time you uh, had to jump in, our, our guest uh, uh, couldn't get online, <laughs> if you might that, recall. <laughs> that has happened a couple times, uh, better than losing a guest every time. But the good thing is we've got some stuff loaded up for you guys. And in fact, we even have some news stories. So why don't we go ahead and start off with a couple of news stories, and then we'll get into talking with Josh. All right, let's do uh, it. First up on the slate, I actually have one that we've discussed previously. We want to announce this one more time. Uh, we have Screen Printing Magazine, who is looking for accomplished women who, through their careers, industry involvement, and philanthropic roles, have sparked innovation, spurred business growth, and improved their communities, enhancing the screen printing industry. So it's time for the awards again. Nominees must hold a leadership position at a company that produces screen printing uh, as its primary function. And also, um, these six winners are going to appear in Screen Printing Magazine's September-October Digital Edition. So they're going to be recognized at Printing United. We know that. So in Las Vegas, Thursday, October, October 20th, we're going to have everybody recognized live. And then we're also going to see them in the uh, issues. So these nominations are due by July 27th, 2022. If you check that out there, we've got the bit.ly link at the bottom or the QR code up at the right uh, upper right-hand corner that will take you directly to the forum. So if you know somebody who fits into this role, if you know an accomplished woman who has enhanced the screen printing industry and is in a company that primarily produces screen printing, we would love to have you get over there and get them involved with what's going on with Screen Printing Magazine. So really cool to see that as usual. Uh, big supporters here and happy to have them hosting that yet again this year. And we'll be skulking about saying, hey, would you like to be on the Two Regular Guys podcast in 2023? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is always the case. We're looking for new people to be on, but always happy to have people who are inspirational and helping out in the industry. 
exactly right. Uh, so, Eric, I have one uh, Made Lab. Our friends down in uh, down in Texas, uh, they're excited to host the Water Base Camp, a two day exploration of art and technology for uh, modern water base ink printing. It's uh, intermediate to advanced class. Um, to expand your understanding and capabilities through a series of presentations and hands-on workshops geared to manual and automatic printing. The Waterbase Camp is presented by industry-leading makers and manufacturers, including award winners Night Owls, Matsui Color, Saudi, and more. Uh, the event will cover color separations and print engineering for water-based ink printing, stencil making for water-based ink printing, water-based uh, ink mixing and matching, which will be uh, really good. Printing with traditional high solids and special effects water-based inks. Um, secrets to profitable water-based printing, uh, uh, which which is something that we'll have them on the show to talk about. We, we're all about <laughs> making a profit. <laughs> and marketing, selling, and pricing for water-based ink printing. Water-based camp will be Friday and Saturday, July 29th and 30th in Fort Worth. And we have a link up there which uh, for our podcast listeners, we'll have that on uh, on the show notes uh, very, very soon. Yeah, great stuff happening in Fort Worth. So good things to see from uh, Made Lab again. Happy to have them kind of putting out that education. I mean, we're always for more education industry and especially kind of verified education. Let's bring in a couple of quick comments. We have a couple of people saying hi. By all means, if you guys have comments or questions, especially as we get Josh in here, please jump on in, join us live comment let us know what you're doing listening in we got a couple people just saying hello ramona's in saying good morning and rich is saying hello but i had to bring this up we have yosta in from sweden and yosta says hey all it's a midsummer party in sweden you're all welcome i'm like man let's get over there and hit the bonfires up there by usala in sweden uh let me just get on a plane real quick oh wait it'll be over by the time i get there <laughs> And but maybe a little bit expensive right now. <laughs> maybe a little bit expensive. Might take a little time. But hey, believe me, uh, I want to take Yost up on all the offers to come <laughs> out there for sure. But uh, thank you for listening in, folks. But you know, without any further ado, I think we actually have a dad joke today. I, I, I have permission. Exactly. You know, uh, this dad joke is, is from Harry Oster, who's the owner and president of Equipment Zone. And he uh, he actually told me this earlier in the week, and I said, "Okay, I'm going to have to repeat this one." That's that's actually a pretty good joke. <laughs> so here so, you go. Are you ready? All right. all right. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Okay. How many New Yorkers does it take to screw in a light bulb? Uh, I don't know. How many New Yorkers does it take to screw in a light bulb? None of your damn business. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, since I'm going to go ahead and disavow the joke right now. Say thanks. That's Harry Oster's joke. So all of you New Yorkers, you can talk to Harry about that joke if you want to. <laughs> all right. Well, before okay. we dive in, we want, to, we want to thank everybody for checking out the Two Regular Guys podcast. We are always looking for new guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to join us, go to Calendly.com slash two. It's going to be two, the number two. <laughs> Regular Guys with your show ideas. If you are listening to the podcast version of the show, we would appreciate you sharing the two regular guys with all your industry friends so they can become regulators too. And we would appreciate you giving us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere. And uh, as uh, Eric already said, if you are watching us live right now, please join in with your comments and your questions. 
Absolutely. Uh, what I would like to go ahead and say, as per the usual, we usually have a little spot here, but instead of having an advertising spot or anything like that, what we would like to say is we are now opening up again sponsorships. So if this is something you'd be interested in, if you would like your message to appear here instead of other messages you've seen, you can go over to tworegularguys.com slash sponsorship to find out more. And uh, honestly, if that's something you're interested, we would love to have you in and be able to share your message with the rest of the regulators. Uh, we often have had sponsors. We took some time off during kind of the pandemic to let people get in and know more about what's going on with the trade shows as they were kind of having their trouble working through that stuff. Um, but we are happy to share your business, your message with thousands of happy and engaged decorators if that's something you're interested in. So go ahead and check that out at tworegularize.com slash sponsorship for more information. Exactly right. Exactly right. Well, I think it's uh, time for us to get started with, uh, with the yeah. show and with Josh. Uh, absolutely. Uh, let's go ahead and introduce Josh before we bring him in here. Uh, Josh Ellsworth is the Executive Vice President of Sales and Marketing for all Group Solid Brands. Uh, he leads a team that helps to create and connect insights that result in apparel decorators reaching their business goals. And he is best known for his educational work in the industry, including the excellent Stalls TV YouTube channel. Let's bring him in. Good morning, Josh. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thank you for having me this morning. All right, Josh. Thank great you for, for being here. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you back. And we were joking before the show where uh, where you came in and and Eric and I were just talking about technical issues. We're like, ah, well, hey, Josh, you've been here so many times that, you know, <laughs> you don't get the star treatment. You get the you get the the uh, the background. Uh, how how are we handling the sound issue? <laughs> All good. All right. Well, hey, before we get started, uh, with uh, with our questions for you, uh, can you give uh, decorators a better idea of the group stall brands? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have uh, four primary brands, I would say, uh, that are serving at least the U.S. market. We have our uh, Transfer Express brand, uh, Stalls Transfer Express, and that's where we manufacture almost any type of heat transfer from uh, plastisol screen printed transfers to uh, digital screen printed transfers now to direct to film transfers. Then we have our uh, stalls ID direct is what it's called or stalls.com as people lovingly know it um, <laughs> or stalls.ca for our friends uh, in Canada. And that is where we manufacture a lot of the heat transfer vinyl, dimensional emblems and patches, uh, applique uh, work for sewing, um, as well as direct to film transfers as well. It's, it's a hot product. So we have it at both uh, websites. Then we have our Hotronics heat press uh, manufacturing division, uh, which operates through uh, distributors around the country, uh, making and selling heat presses like you see behind me here. And then last but not least is our Stalls DFC, uh, which a lot of people don't know about, but that stands for Decorating Fulfillment Center. Uh, that is a location that does licensed uh, decoration of jerseys for more or less all your professional uh, sports leagues, as well as activations, you know, at the draft, at all-star games, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's it's funny in uh, in my classes, my screen printing classes, we talk about uh, you know um, heat transfer vinyl and things like that. And <clears throat> I always bring up the uh, the NFL draft and and say, do you know how they always have that jersey that comes out with that with a name on the back and the number one draft pick that nobody knew was going to be drafted number one? <laughs> well, it's the folks that stalls. That's that's how you see that jersey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fun program and uh, one that just I think really connects that made to order instantaneous fashion of heat transfers and really tells that story of print on demand, I think, better than anything that we have. 
Exactly right. Yeah. Well, you guys definitely have the experience and the know-how, and I mean, well, a long history experience for sure. That's the thing too. If people don't know how long that Stalls has been around in one form or another, you guys definitely know a lot about it. But here's the thing. Not only do you guys know how to do business for yourselves, you know a lot about helping all of us who are using your products with business. Let's get on to today's topic and jump right into it because everybody's out looking to make more profit, especially as the economy is the way it is. What are some of the things that you see that makes an individual decorator just instantly, you know, they're going to be more profitable than the decorators that they're working with? Yeah, so um, I'm very passionate about the word profit, as you can see from my shirt, heat press for profit. And, and yep. so we like to uh, talk okay. about profit a lot. And I think it's really important, especially um, for the heat press decorator um, to make profit part of their vocabulary from day one, because it is, um, for better or worse, it is a very affordable, uh, easy to access uh, technology. And so we get a lot of folks that may enter the space without uh, a real clear plan or you know what comes out of a plan is often focus if it's a good plan yeah. and so where we see uh folks struggling and and trust me we you kind of said it we we've been in business for 90 years we pride ourselves on helping decorators to succeed and so we have all of these metrics in the business that we follow and one of those is success rate and yeah. what we find is um, customers that, that don't have a plan that aren't focused uh, on a vertical are typically the ones that are often out of business. So I would say number one is uh, before we get into products and all the other stuff, it's just a plan and focus. So um, mm -hmm. what happens is when you don't have that, you end up being driven by whatever today's request is. And you're pretty much chasing your tail into, I would say, a space that is uh, highly competitive into lots of uh, price competition, and uh, that creates issues uh, for profit. Kind of like, um, I always like to say in sports, you know, you need to take the game or take the fight uh, to the opponent. You need to have a yeah. plan yeah. Uh, when you're going in. If you just kind of stand back and let it come to you, uh, you're going to be all over the place, and typically that equals uh, less than preferred profit. Yeah, I can I can hear, like, I can feel in the back of my head this tickle, because Aaron just heard business plan somewhere and he's uh, losing his mind. <laughs> he's I, I, I'm sure he's like, he's <laughs> to log in Yeah, right now. He's pulling over, but no, I have to agree with you. It's like all the time in working with other clients, working with people and doing consulting. And I've done a fair amount of it myself. Um, there's very much a big difference between somebody who just says, okay, I'm in business to make money. And you're like, okay, that's great. We're all in business to make money. Who's your customer? Everybody, I'll, I'll take any job. You're like, okay, uh, how are you pricing? Oh, but by committee, I, I called up the four people closest to me and now I'm pricing below them. And you're just like, you shake your head and you're like, all right, <laughs> like, here, here comes the basics. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you saying the things that we know are true about this stuff that in your experience, you've seen people who have that plan making a better go of it. And also who have, like you said, who are targeting a vertical. You can't, everyone isn't a target. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. And, and so, you know, and it doesn't have to be just one vertical. So sure. that's, you know, a common misconception. Sure. But I do think you have to create uh, value for each uh, defined uh, target segment. So that's really important. Absolutely. And then um, I want to make sure I put something else in here, because often uh, there are folks that have a well-defined plan and they've taken the time to do it, but they miss uh, two critical things. And I find mm -hmm. this most common in uh, talking, especially to small to mid-sized decorator is uh, they're not paying themselves. Uh, for the work that they do. And so labor is a missed part of the equation uh, on calculating cost. And I always say, if you want to replace yourself in the job and grow the business, you need to pay yourself. 
And then I always like to say, if you're working for free, we're hiring. Um, so that kind of helps connect <laughs> it for people. And then the other one is they fail um, to calculate overhead. And the biggest you know, driver of overhead is space. Everybody dreams to have that retail, highly expensive space, but they really don't calculate the cost of that space or overhead and make sure it's working um, in a real way to create value for the client that they've targeted or they're serving. And so you really need to make overhead a part of the cost equation. Otherwise, you know, it's not good enough to say um, the money in the bank at the end of the day is how I gauge success. You need to be able to apply overhead to every single job. And there are, you know, ways to, to learn that and to do that. Well, yeah. And, you know, uh, it, it's, I often say to people, I've probably said this a thousand times, the, the beauty of garment decorating is it's inexpensive, easy to get into. The curse of garment decorating is it's easy and inexpensive for your neighbor to get into. And, and I don't think a lot of thought is given uh, by many people to, this is a real business and, and, and I need to treat it like a real business. You know, I can, I can, you know, I can go to uh, a trade show and and buy a heat press and hey, get a discount by taking the one off the floor and putting it in my car and get home and and uh, and and start making shirts for my friends and neighbors. And uh, you know, for me, I started my screen printing business right out of college and and um, got married and had twins uh, within a year of that. And and that's when all of a sudden I said, you know, this has to be a real business. I, I actually have to make money at this. I, I need to raise my prices. I need to learn more about how to do this profitably. And the Aaron, the Aaron is uh, right now, you know, suddenly in the air, he heard profit again. And, uh, <laughs> but, but let's talk about, you know, people getting into this business who aren't profitable. What are, what are some of the top challenges you see decorators uh, have a, who are not profitable? And are there things that, that we should all watch out for or avoid? Yeah, I think, I think that, uh, just to go back, it, it would be um, not having a clear capture of all the costs that it goes uh, into um, making something. And again, I would focus that on, you know, direct cost of material, like what it costs for the t-shirt and the transfer. Easy to calculate. Anybody can do some basic addition. Uh, but factoring in the labor, understanding how much time it takes uh, for you to create a piece, and um, also understanding what what the mark, people like say what the market will bear. I like to say it a little bit different uh, as far as like, because people always ask me, what can I sell that for? Well, I can't give you that answer. I can probably give you a range, but if you don't know that answer, it means you haven't taken the time to really understand your customer. And that goes back to focus. You should be able to define, this is the amount my customer would be willing to pay for the value I've created. And hopefully I'm taking my uh, plan, my marketing, my sales process into a place where I'm uniquely positioned to serve. And I think we'll get into that a little bit later, but that's that's part of being intentional about um, playing to your strengths and getting that customer into something that you've invested in that you're uniquely positioned to serve. That's huge. That's so huge. Uh, especially, I think people kind of mistake it though. They mistake the the concept. They hear the buzzwords. They're like, oh, what gets measured gets managed. We've all heard it a million times. But that's part of the problem is hearing it a million times. Sometimes it, it gets to be this, you know, this thing where people can kind of feel some resistance to that stuff. But every time we talk to people who are doing this business correctly, they realize that if you're going to be in business, you have to do business. 
Like mm-hmm. that has to be a portion of it. And you also have to look for places where you can stand out. The market is flooded with people who are just getting in. There are people who will do anything, surely, but there's not everybody serving every market. And it doesn't mean you can't serve other markets. Like you said, you don't have to just isolate, but being uniquely positioned is such a big thing. Such yeah. a big thing. So uh, from that, I, we have some other stuff that I want to talk about that it's direct, but let's go ahead and give you a couple of comments. First thing, I just love to give people kudos when they get on here. Uh, Nathan Lieber, uh, who's been on the show, friend of the show, says, Josh, helped me out this week. Great service. We all know that, but, you know, love to give you guys the props directly while we're here. <laughs> we have some other great people just saying good morning. Cindy, who's always in, is getting good morning. Barb is in as well. And Ramona, who teaches in the embroidery industry, says, FYI, this same information holds true for the embroidery industry and heck all business. Yeah, kind of a word to the wise folks business is business <laughs> underneath <laughs> all this stuff a lot of us love to do creative stuff and it's hard not to love it especially you go watch like the stalls youtube channel and go see the cool projects they're doing the project may bring us in but we have to realize if we want to stay in business that the business half of this thing the the i guess you could say non-creative though i love to believe that marketing and stuff is also creative uh, i certainly think the best kind is it, that non-creative work is also really critical for us getting this thing done and staying you know afloat well, you know, it's something Josh said about what can I sell this for? And we've all heard that a million times from people, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I tell people that there's three businesses in a row. They all have the exact same equipment. They all sell are selling the exact same product uh, and, and for the same price. Uh, business A is, is making a good profit with it. Business B is breaking even and business C is losing money on every every garment they sell because you have to understand the rest of your business. You have to understand, yeah. uh, as you said, Josh, your, your overhead. Yeah, I mean, classic stuff, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always like to start with the basics because I think that really catapults us into um, a deeper conversation, right? I, we titled this Profit Trends and Heat Transfer because a lot of times uh, people will ask me, like, what do I need to access from your vast catalog of products yeah. or the industries, better said, the industry's vast catalog of products to really be able to um, to win, right? And I think, and I know a lot of um, suppliers, friendly suppliers uh, watch the show as well. And so I think as salespeople, as suppliers, we would be better asking the question instead of what's your budget, asking the question from the jump on how much profit do you desire to make? And I think yeah. that, instantly flips the thinking and puts the decorator, uh, many of who are watching, into a position of really answering that question. Is this going to help me uh, be successful? Not, are you going to find a way to help me spend every penny of my money, but are we (laughs) going to find a a, a return on this? And so, um, you know, when we talk about this, I've been been toying with um, some new content. And so I wanted to share uh, conceptually here first. So I read read this book um, that had a radical impact on the way I think it's called better, simpler strategy. Okay. And it's all about, uh, I like simple. It's all about, uh, willingness to pay and willingness to sell. And it's, uh, this concept, uh, called a value creation stick and us, um, with whatever good we're selling, creating uh, more willingness, uh, to pay and how can we do that? And so I started thinking through how can we frame that with the products that you can do with your heat press, And I came up with this concept of um, what I call a quadrant for uh, decorator. So uh, I don't have any tools to draw it out here. I should have planned that. But (laughs) but imagine, you know, four quadrants, right? And you have your X and Y axis. Um, Along the X axis, you have basic garment and premium garment on this side, okay? Along the Y axis, you have 
basic decoration, premium decoration. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I'm operating, if I'm into basic garment, basic decoration, that's a highly competitive space down in quadrant one. Um, I can expect to make money there, but I can expect to have that money limited because everybody can do it. And there's a lot of competition. Yeah. When I instantly upgrade my decoration or my blank one or the other, I get in quadrant two or three. That means I'm going to be able to increase my profit. But the holy grail is if I can get up into quadrant four and be decorating a premium blank with a premium decoration, and we can talk about how to define those things. It should be defined based off of your target customer. Now, yeah. I believe, and I've seen time and time again, I'm in a 4X, a four times profit space from where I can be from participating in quadrant one. And so you have to ask yourself the question, what, what answers put me in quadrant four? And I think, yeah. and why aren't more people participating there? And right. it's because it's the tough space, right? To create these looks that are achievable at retail, to create um, quality results onto performance apparel or outerwear or structured headwear. Like all of these things that I think most of us would define as premium, regardless of our target market, from the decoration or the blank perspective, um, they're premium and they're challenging. And yeah. so um, as a business investing into the know-how, uh, first defining that space and what that means to your target client is important. And I think that's, a, that's sketching it out on paper, creating a list, and then uh, going and figuring out how uh, to do it and how to do it better. And what you'll find is that uh, most people will quit on the way to that because they yeah. won't be willing to put in the work. But if you put in the work to get to the other side and play in that space and really craft a marketing and sales and a plan uh, around that space, I think you'll radically see your profit equation change. I mean, I, I say take an eight hour workday, right? If I'm in quadrant one, I'm yeah. everything takes basically the same time to press. Like we're splitting seconds. Um, if I participate in quadrant one with my heat press business, I have a fixed eight hour day. If I press the full eight hour day, I'm going to make this in profit. Now, if I'm telling you you can make 4X in profit in quadrant four, I'm also telling you I can deliver time back to your business, right? Yeah. You can press and complete the same amount of profit in two hours of work. What, what's that going to do on you know, what we call opportunity costs? Where am I going to be able to invest that other six hours to fill up, to focus on the other things I need to do to grow and scale? So I, that's some content I've been toying with, trying to figure out how to articulate it well. Uh, you've articulated spectacularly already. I have to say, like, I, I was completely vibing with this entire thing you're talking about because that whole opportunity cost thing, every time somebody says, oh, well, what these premium customers, there just aren't that many in my area. I can't sell to premium customers. I'm like, yeah, but let's say you're selling to a quarter of the customers making the same amount of profit and you have three quarters of your day left to do other things. You're definitely still increasing things because the opportunity cost is one of those ones that doesn't get measured. It's not easy to quantify, so you don't see people throwing opportunity cost on a spreadsheet. Uh, unfortunately, the spreadsheet's not the only way that we can evaluate what we're doing in business. You know, you know also when you said put in the work, I always I always think back. We had a guest, uh, Pierre Jemnicki mm -hmm. from Blue Moon Screen Printing. Uh, uh, he was a guest many years ago on the show, and. And one of the questions was, how did you become an award-winning screen printer in just three years? And he goes, it was really, really easy. I just worked 100 hours a week. And, you know, it's, it, was, it was so profound in what he said, you know, because you, you, do, have to, uh, you do have to become good at what you do. And, uh, you know, in my screen printing classes, I always, uh, I always tell people, 
you know, there are lots and lots and lots of screen printers. There aren't very many good screen printers. And and that was a realization I had when I first got started in the business because, hey, I, I, I didn't come with a business degree. I came with a journalism degree. I, I made the assumption that everybody learn to be an expert at whatever business they start. And and I know you guys see it every day too. It's, it's, you know, Hey, I want to, I want to buy a heat press. I want to buy some, uh, uh, heat applied vinyl. Uh, but I really don't want to practice with it. I really don't want to <laughs> spend the time to learn how to do this right. So anyway, as an aside, well, I, I will bring up, we have a couple of comments. People want to know about the book and I went ahead and did share a link, but the book you were sharing was Better Simpler Strategy, Value-Based Guide to Exceptional Performance. Uh, that's uh, Felix Oberholzer Gee, I believe is the author for people who are asking. But what I'm waiting for is uh, the Stalls TV take on this from Josh, because honestly, you boiled everything down so well on those quadrants that I think, hey guys, don't wait for the book. Rewind about <laughs> 10 minutes and listen to what Josh said again, because I think you got it. Yeah, we have the clip notes. <laughs> the show notes will be what we need. Uh, but what is I want to do notes is... spell a thing? Is that... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we may have gotten to the yellow legal pad area of the, of the show, Terry. <laughs> it's a, it's always tease Terry about the yellow legal pad until you find out that everybody says taking notes actually is better retention when you write. So, uh, okay, fine science. <laughs> come around and tell me I'm wrong about the notes. Uh, but here, here's the thing. I know you, you've talked about kind of the non-answer answers we give when somebody asks, like, what can we charge for things? I'm going to try and drill down a couple of things. You said there are products that are going to get us into that quadrant, into that fourth quadrant. Are there any must-have products that you see when it comes to generating profit with Heat Press? Uh, of course, right? <laughs> um, so we our, our goal is to, much like um, we're trying to teach you all to do as decorators, is um, to create insights that lead to uh, the product being a, a solution, indispensable thing. So naturally, uh, we we set out and we try to solve these. So uh, number one, um, I think we would all agree that most things on the premium side of a garment are heat sensitive. And so we need to uh, seek out uh, solutions to decorating uh, performance gear, you know, even uh, tri-blends, jackets, et cetera, et cetera. Synthetics, we see it show up a lot accurately. One way we can do that is with bottom heat. And so we've seen um, whether it's a bottom heated platen, we call it a power platen for our uh, flat presses, it's on this side of me, or whether it's our um, 360 IQ, which actually heats from the top and bottom out of the box to solve not only the crease mark and the scorching on headwear, but mm -hmm. to be able to put a left chest logo on a performance, you know, high end Adidas or Nike polo without damaging uh, that garment, um, having top and bottom heat. So the right equipment to be able to, to execute and the right know-how. Um, but then after that, we still have to um, look at the, the product, right? And so if we say uh, premium on decoration, I view it in two ways. It's uh, either really lightweight, right? People don't wanna feel it on there and they want exactly their logo. They don't want an outline. They don't want a trade-off. They don't wanna reduce the number of colors. And so we see um, our Ultra Color Max, which is a, our brand for our direct-to-film transfer really excelling right now i'm telling you it's the fastest growing product i've seen in our lineup in my two decades here um outside of you know the cat press on equipment the ultra color max on a transfer is definitely the way to go um and, and we can dive deeper into that but basically it just presses at a lower temperature you get just the logo we don't have to enter number of colors into our conversation and so it really wins in the space um, and then the other side of that, other than really lightweight, is dimensional, 
And I know, Eric, yeah. you're a big proponent and have been of yeah. Uh, yeah. patches and, and dimensional type of logos. And so whether that's, and I have some samples here. So nice. I was fortunate enough to attend uh, an NBA finals game. And so I picked up this uh, embroidered patch um, that was going down uh, with the finals logo. So embroidered patches, something we're seeing at retail, uh, PVC uh, mm -hmm. patches. So thick rubberized patches that can be applied more of a retail look, uh, leather whether it's genuine or faux leather patch. And then also uh, we call this flex style. And so it's just texture dimension. And so being able to do these either super lightweight things that will decorate onto high-end fabrics and won't scorch or premium dimensional uh, logos are definitely going to put us up into that top quadrant on blanks and uh, design work. And again, it's going to take you a roughly a minute to load a 100% open-ended carded cotton t-shirt onto the heat press and, and press a basic transfer, right? I could spend the same minute loading a really high-end product onto the 360 IQ and pressing a dimensional transfer. And I think you'll find that the money that you'll earn with the time is, is much higher. And so those are, those are a couple of the hit list products. Well, you know, that bottom heat uh, heat press for anybody out there who's thinking about doing DTF transfers themselves, creating those transfers, printing them, say, on a direct-to-garment printer, that bottom heat heat press is perfect because you print that transfer, you just sit it on that bottom heat uh, uh, heat press for 60 seconds, and it's cured. So that, uh, you know, just just another use for that product. So uh, um, we we love those bottom heat, heat presses and might have a have a couple of those heat presses upstairs right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't say enough, especially that in the, uh, the 360, the, the hat heat press that you were talking about has absolutely changed how people are able to do hats. I think yeah. that is, that is really fair to say. And for everyone who says, uh, patch hats are, are gone again. No, they've been here. They stayed here. They go up and down, but they are still increasing. I get more requests for how to handle patches on hats than just about anything else that I talk about. And frequently enough, when I'm talking to people who are having issues sewing them on, I'm like, well, it's about the press. It's about the adhesive. If you're going to do the pressing, that's part of the deal. And for people who believe like, okay, they're not still taking off. I was surprised to see somebody was showing me uh, like a conference ending speech from Gary V and he was wearing a bone stock standard. I hate to say this since we're talking about things that are higher end. I hate to say that this is what it was, but like a bone stock mesh back five panel trucker with a heat pressed embroidered patch down on the front. So this is somebody who's who's working with big brands, who's constantly trying to show this appeal in this kind of, you know, edgy style. And here we are, where are we at? Five panel pressed, <laughs> you know, heat press patch on a hat that is still part of that market. So everywhere from kind of the streetwear angle to something that's higher end to, you know, to sports, all of those markets are still using this stuff. So I would listen in, folks. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we have like saying it's a trend is one thing, but having data to support the trend is, is a complete other. And so we track our follow on sales from uh, heat press equipment when somebody invests in it. Mm -hmm. And then we track our follow on sales from our, all of our sample packs and sampling programs. And the number one follow on sales for an apparel decorator that invests in a heat press, you would think it would be our dual fusion, fully high end, you know, automatic machine. It's yeah. the 360 IQ. It's this little hat press that fits in a small footprint. And so we know that when customers invest in that machine, that they are being successful because they're buying the hog feed, as you like to call it, right? Or the consumable <laughs> product that's feeding through it. Yep. Well, and honestly, I got to tell, tell everybody, uh, take it from one of these old guys who's got some, some gray in their beard. The old bad heat presses that were out there really were not 
the thing. The, 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 the new equipment it does make a difference. It's not just they're trying to upsell you on some stuff. The new equipment and the new way of doing things makes a huge difference to the ability to make these things work well. Just to have to say it. That press, for real, is a, is a real thing. And honestly, people are talking about it here. Uh, Tanya's saying, love my hat press, for real. Yes. No, 100%. It's, it's not me, because I am not being paid by stalls right now to tell you this <laughs> stuff. I am a random guy who got to see this thing when it launched. It was just a drooling from the moment that it came out. So... <laughs> yeah, my, my stat is I just did a we yeah. did a um and it's still running, so decorators may be interested, a um shop makeover that we we're doing uh yeah. four um shop makeovers this year. It's a ten thousand uh, dollar full out package and we customize it based on uh, the existing decorator who wins. And so I just flew to um threads and inks in Minnesota and worked with a lady by the name of uh Jesse and um her one of her wish list items were two hat presses, right? because we picked up efficiency. We were pressing a hat a minute and we did the math and she was doing uh, $5, a minimum of $5, upwards of $10 in profit per hat. So then it just becomes a sales equation, right? So we're talking $300 in profit per hour at $5 uh, profit per hat running two machines. So your payback is good. It's really a question of can you market and can you sell, not can the press do its job. Totally. You know, that that shop makeover, we actually, uh, a week or two ago, we were talking about that in our news items and talking about how, what a cool deal that was. But I didn't realize you can hop on a plane and, and go there and help them get uh, get started. Or is it, was that a one time deal? <laughs> no, no, no. So part of the part of the winning um, thing is so uh, we have a panel, um, a great panel that that helps us to select the winner. Once that winner is selected, we'll have a, a Zoom consulting call. Uh, let them know they've won, let them think about it and go through and select equipment that aligns with their business objectives and kind of talk through that in a consultative way. Once the equipment delivers, uh, we have them set it up because it's pretty easy to set up. Then a uh, coach will fly in and I was the business coach for our first quarter winner. And so I, I flew in with one of our videographers and we spent a day and a half there helping wow. her uh, learn how to use it, um, looking through her business plans, helping her to simplify pricing. And then um, we'll have three additional uh, Zoom calls uh, over the next nine months to really make the equipment successful for her. And we're capturing it all. So eventually it'll be published on video so everybody else can learn from it as well. That's, that's, that's a huge thing and, and awesome. And uh, we, uh, we, we would love to uh, hear more about that. And, and, and as you uh, make progress with it, we'd love to uh, talk about it here in the show. Awesome. Yeah, we should have one of the winners in maybe later this year. I think it'd be cool to hear awesome. about their experience. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. everybody who's excited about the equipment, uh, the coaching is worth as much as that equipment. <laughs> my, once again, one of those things that people don't always uh, calculate. Yeah, that's huge. That's but, huge. That's, that's huge. not like at uh, at uh, Graphics Pro Expo where you're the five hundred dollar winner today. <laughs> here's here's your check. <laughs> See you later. Wait, get a picture. <laughs> a yeah, bit more than that. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. We're one. trying to really connect it to our to our mission, which is to you know create capable, confident apparel decorators that are in control of their business goals. Well, awesome. let's let's talk a little bit more about about uh, people's businesses and and talk about uh, top markets. What what are some of the top markets out there for decorators? Uh, what what should they be approaching right now? Yeah, so I think um, you know on this one there are, there really are um, I say a million to exaggerate it, but thousands um, of available markets. I think we've pretty much uh, hopefully beat the point home that uh, focus is key. And so I would encourage people to, to select a market that they're passionate about. 
Um, when we're talking about some of these new ways to decorate specifically with your heat press, um, there used to be like in my mind in selling heat presses and heat transfers, there used to be a point where it made sense to take a decoration off of a heat press and onto a screen printing press. And that, that remains true for 80% of the way apparel is decorated. But now I believe we're starting to see looks and finishes and results that can only be achieved with heat transfer. And so now that, now that we're have access to these dimensional logos and larger orders, I really like to look at um, industry growth and employee count. Um, I love the, the business to business market. There's a ton of competition in sports. It's where we we've made our mark. We have a ton mm -hmm. of successful uh, sports customers, but it's tough to crack into maybe the spirit wear, maybe, you know, a niche sport and focusing, but the business to business world seems to be still uh, relatively underserved. And if you're a decorator that's selling uh, into your local community, you could pick a vertical like construction, you could pick a vertical like gas and oil, landscaping, et cetera. But I would um, pick a vertical or a handful of verticals and make your uh, content, your samples uh, specific uh, to that and make it something that you're interested in, passionate about, or that you can hire somebody that knows the space and is interested in and passionate about to run your uh, sales program or your business development into that vertical to expand. I like that. No, absolutely. I, I have to say the other thing that we found, this is once again, old experience from a decorator who's been on the, you know, on the shop floor for a while. Um, when we were doing marketing into verticals, sometimes we would also share some real world local samples. And what we found was if we had a fairly popular person in a brand, now let's say we did restaurants were a huge vertical. Also, uh, certainly um, craft breweries out here in New Mexico. We have a ton in Albuquerque of craft breweries. We would grab a couple of them who are our customers who are fairly successful, fairly well known and offer to share their stories. We would market on their story of success, showing them in all of the gear. And suddenly we'd have a bunch of other craft breweries showing up because they're like, well, if X craft brewery that's doing well in our industry, that's in our local neighborhood and uses these folks, they must know how to get stuff. And if we showed samples or specifically the industry, like Josh said, we, we showed, you know, whatever samples were particular to that industry in this case, like some sorts of aprons that were popular to use, something that made sense for that particular vertical or coasters or something else, as well as our apparel offerings, they would come to us going, all right, that's somebody who already has this. Instead of looking for the thing they wanted, they would see the package already live and with that kind of social proof of somebody who's already using it, who's popular in the area, and come directly to us. So I, I can't reach out enough and say, hey, listen to this. This is something I've seen proven. This is numbers, stuff that we did pretty consistently for a while there. Um, and I think you're totally right with Heat Press. It opens you up to being able to do um, a wider range of products as well. Any, anytime I talk to people who are single embroidery shops, that's all they do, embroidery first. The very first thing I tell them to to invest in to increase their spectrum of, of available products is always heat press. Yeah, yeah, and that goes back to your, um, you know, to to some KPIs I like to look after yeah. in a business, um, and that's key performance indicators. Like, there's a ton of metrics we look at, but what are what are going to be the the select few key performance indicators that we're going to. Uh, rise to the top to look at. And I think that there's no better ones for an apparel decorator than average item value, average mm -hmm. order value, and average customer value. And uh, by starting to look at average item value, we've talked a lot about how to elevate that. That's naturally yeah. going to force uh, an increase in your average order value as we sell higher end work. But product assortment 
to your point and packaging and bundling and being able to sell yes. A, B, and C to a customer as a, as a bundle instead of just A all the time is going to help increase um, all of those KPIs. So I love that as kind of feeding into revenue and profit growth. People used to kind of think of it as this, the old mentality used to be the, do you want fries with that mentality? That's what people used to say was that they'd come in for shirts and you sell them on the hats. That was always the original way to do it. And people thought of that as innovative back in my day, early, early on in the industry. That's that was the innovation. But we moved on to a point where it's like, no, like, like you said, find someone who's passionate about a particular vertical or be passionate about it. If it's a niche market, you you understand, you know, you speak the language. If you know what they want, you can put together a package of garments, accessories, things that you can decorate and promote it. And it can be specific to that industry, something that solves a need for them or is novel or interesting specifically to that vertical. And it makes a huge difference to their, not only their satisfaction with the product, but their belief in you as someone who's there to service that particular vertical. It's just huge. So, uh, with that, let's say you're trying to expand into a new market. So mm -hmm. do you have some ideas for generating interest, some stuff that we can talk to just to get, get people on board with that, uh, generating interest and growing sales when we're starting into this new market, into a market that we're not used to, to uh, marketing into? Yeah, yeah. So let's um, let's say um, I like the B2B market. So let's say we are working in um, construction, we'll say. Uh, in the B2B market. And so to me, one of the, like, that's, that's broad, that's industry, right? Um, sure. From there, I'm going to connect the company, but I, I feel like in, in, in sales, you need to go a step further and you need to connect to uh, the specific buyer in their role. That is actually your customer is the buyer in the role and what they are looking to accomplish. And so for me, it's, it's very easy to remember. I talk about dreams and nightmares, right? And we, and we have them both. And so if I can take that buyer and I can understand what are their dreams uh, professionally? What are their aspirations? What are uh, joy creators uh, in their job? And how can I have custom apparel or branded apparel that helps to achieve that? And then I look on the other side, like what causes major pain? What's nightmares uh, in their job? And so, um, and what can I do to try to solve that? And so I need to be able to answer those questions and then really go out and create um, what I call an actionable insight if you haven't figured it out, uh, we all believe in education that are on the podcast today. <laughs> and education is one of the best ways to really create insight and something that's actionable, which drives what I call top of funnel. And what I love about being the company that creates the insight um, and the information that that person in their role acts on is because all of a sudden, it's just me and them on the journey. If yeah. they go out and figure out the insight from somewhere else at a trade conference or whatever, and my name doesn't come up, then they're in the stage that I like to call research and discovery. And I'm one of many. And instantly it puts me in competition. Now I want to be there and I want those types of leads too. But I love, um, again, to take the fight out to the market and create that actionable insight. And so immediately that creates credibility and it creates this, um, this opportunity for you to deliver the business at a higher price. So if I take that example, construction, we'll say the buyer role is an HR a manager that has to deal with things like, um, you know, hiring, keeping employees. What are some of the things that they're going through right now that's challenging to them? It's probably the war for talent if you're staying connected, right? It's how am I finding people? And then how am I retaining people? And I bet we can come up with some really great answers on how decorated product helps with those two things, right? And then we can come up with 
occasions along the employee journey um, where we can connect decorated apparel and start to assemble um, a whole program uh, with insights and, and good confidence and examples. But you have to go, you have to be willing to go to that level. You have to define your market. You have to understand, you know, a business type that you're going to go out, that dream client you're going to go out and call. Who am I actually going to reach out to there and go through, again, putting in the work um, to figure out how we're going to connect to them. And so I want to pause, I have more, but I want to pause there to see if you guys have any follow-up questions or things I may have missed there that you want to add. I, I don't know if there's anything you that you've missed so much. I just want to like, I, I, every time we're here, I'm just like, I, I'm, I'm fist in the air kind of agreeing with you. I'm trying not <laughs> to jump on the soapbox and just go, yeah, like you said. Uh, but at the same time, I think that that's something that people don't always think about. It's like, if you're accessing the needs of the person who's making the decision, both the needs for the good parts and to avoid pain, it's like, really, that's what it is. We're just, it's the same stimulus kind of response thing. We're like, all right, here's where you're going to have a more pleasant time. Here's how we can avoid pain points. And also if anybody's kind of familiar with the story brand thing, it's like, all right, we're going to make our purchaser, our customer, the hero. It's not our chance to be the hero. It's like, what can I give you? What tools do I give you that make you look like the hero in your company? And both to people who are above you evaluating your work and who are below you that you are serving in your company, we give them a chance to kind of be that hero and it, it helps them to make that decision. But the other thing that I think you are dead on about is that if you're the person providing those solutions, uh, my kind of staid way of saying is that be a consultant, not a commodity. We don't want to be a t-shirt printing box. We want to be someone who's providing solutions so that we are trusted and sought after. And you're absolutely right. It makes the competition a distant second when you're the one who's made them aware of the possibilities and provided the answer before they even start. Yeah. And so that's my other book. It's funny. You didn't, we didn't even talk about this, but um, it's, it's, it's the progression on story brand, right? It's marketing yeah, made go. simple by Donald Miller. Um, and so yeah. if you haven't figured it out, I like simplicity. Uh, nice. I feel like the key word in this is simple. And yeah. so um, I want to encourage you as you're going out um, and you're going to have a lot of answers to these questions as you dive deep into um, the industry, the company, the buyer role uh, and coming up with an offer. Um, you're going to have a million things that you're going to think they're going to care about. Um, how can we refine it and make it simple? Because um, once yes. you go out to present it, you can quickly um, overcomplicate it. And uh, complexity um, does two things. One, it it loses sales ultimately. But I believe it does that by pushing people into research and discovery where they have mm -hmm. to go out and learn. And so we should have already done the work. And we should be able to present it so simply to be able to say, here's what you need. And at worst, present a good, better, best for what they need. And so when, you, when you're refining your offer, uh, keep it simple. I always like to say, hey, yes, I can send them an email. Um, I can send them a letter. Um, we say a picture is worth a thousand words. I wonder what a video is worth. So even better. And then if a video is worth more, how much is a physical sample worth? Right. And Eric, you were talking about it earlier, but with heat printing, what I love is that you can do really low quantity stuff. Yep. And so you can literally create a sample in that client's logo. If you know it's worth, um, it's a target client for you, you can spend the extra, extra energy. You can order, you know, five of these flex style samples. You can get it all in for under 50 bucks. And now mm -hmm. I'm decorating um, a few different things, a few different products with anchor and trident fishing charters yeah. on it, right? And I'm going to show them a hat. I'm going to show them a quarter zip. I'm going to show them a polo. Yeah, I'm going to invest 50, 60, 70 bucks. Um, but now I have something that's highly qualified and you can bet 
that they're going to respond to that. And that's not something that they've received yet this year from any other company. And, and you know, that custom sample, uh, that's when I was an active printer, I did that all the time. And and uh, I'm sure if I continued doing it that I would have uh, tripped up, but I, I had 100% closure uh, uh, when I did a custom sample for a, for a company and, and they bought something from me. I don't think people appreciate that uh, quite as much as they should. I, I do want to say I love your definition of uh, R&D, research and discovery. And uh, a good friend to all of us, Jay Bissell, he calls R&D uh, um, what is it? Uh, rip off and duplicate. Rip off and duplicate. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Jay, you gotta love him. That's good. No, <laughs> no. I mean, you do have it right on. You have the nail on the head, though. It's like if we if we really want to make this work, the simplicity is removing friction. It just makes it easier to make that choice. We the more complex we make things, the more you, options you kind of offer. I hate to say this, sometimes a customer just doesn't have the vision to wade through it all. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, um, and. It's like that buyer is going through um, a journey, yeah. right? And, and you'll hear it later uh, when I get to my five things. But um, <laughs> what, one thing is you want to um, align your sales process to that buyer journey. Now, if you're serving like customers and you can create these stages that the buyer goes through uh, to get to decision, um, they can all go through the same journey, but often if they have uh, unique needs and you're crafting unique value for each target segment, then you may have slightly different buyer journeys depending on the markets that you're serving. But when we uh, here at Stalls matched our sales stages, our funnel uh, to the stages a buyer actually goes through to make a decision, it radically changed how we create content um, to move buyers through that to a successful outcome of yes or no, because sometimes no is a successful outcome. It wasn't a fit, but more often um, you're getting the yeses when you're looking um, at that journey and really aligning it to your buyer's needs and not necessarily what you do. Well, you know, speaking of journeys uh, and education, which you mentioned, and and uh, I think that's one of the reasons we love you having you on the show, Josh, because you you we have a shared interest in educating uh, folks in our industry. But what content can can our listeners expect from stalls to help uh, on that journey to maximize profit? Yeah. So um, that's key, right? Is uh, you can expect us to not be afraid to talk about profit. Um, and to um, be a well-trained team that understands uh, profit and money. And I think that's really the experience we're trying to create is um, salespeople that are actually bringing value uh, into the equation uh, for customers. And so we have some great educators that do it. And we, you know, even people that don't get an opportunity to be in front of the camera, we have even more people in the field that are in shops every day or on phone calls the majority of the day helping decorators. Um, to the point earlier um, that uh, Nathan had commented, I was able to help him. I helped him by connecting him to one of our experts that re is responsible for accounts um, in the territory that his business resides in. And I know that's going to have a profound impact on how he connects our products to his objectives, right? And so you'll hear us talk about profit number one. The other thing is um, trying to get uh, a better understanding of apparel decorator goals. Um, I really break it into four really high level buckets. Um, it's, it's profit, which we've talked a lot about. Um, and I know it's closely tied to profit and how we make mm. more, but it's efficiency, 
right? Mm -hmm. How can I make things faster and eliminate downtime? It's just like another way to approach profit um, with the work that I do um, or don't do in my business. It's diversification. How do I go out and either add new product or enter new market? And then it's relevancy. How can I keep the latest look, the latest trends to, to maintain relevancy to my customers? And so we're we're going to look at those kind of content themes and every piece of uh, work that we do or product that we create will be tied specifically into helping customers win uh, with their goals. Wow. I mean, that's like masterclass, folks. <laughs> Go back and listen to those four points. I know I've said that 15 times today, but uh, hey, that's why we like to have Josh on. Um, sincerely, breaking that down so simply is so great for the decorators and being unafraid to talk about all this. I think that's the thing, especially you're talking about efficiency. I love that point where it's like, it's not just the work you do, it's the work you don't do. It, it, making more money, if, if I say anything in my pricing class is probably too much, it's that making more money doesn't require you to increase the amount of labor or materials that are in anything necessarily. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people work really hard. Um, and I know a lot of us that have actually seen financial statements inside of decorators. I mean, it's honestly one of, I think the most depressing things about the work that we do um, is like, you can have this shop that like on the surface, it all looks great. Right. Yeah. But when you get into the financials, they're just not making the number actually the opposite, uh, you know, perhaps uh, at risk of going under. So uh, it's always easier when you don't have to go on a rescue mission because yep. you have thousands of customers and potentially millions of dollars in sales, a lot of work, all for not much. Um, it's better to uh, start right, uh, be very calculated and methodical um, about your approach. And I think you'll find much more enjoyment in the work. And I also think you'll be able to tie um, to create more of a, a result for your particular cause, whether that's gainful employment in the community, whatever whatever you're trying to create um, through the markets you're serving. I think you'll, hopefully you'll win if you really take it serious from the start. That's awesome. So we are going to have you hang on for five things. So I'm not just trying to, I'm not going to kick you out just yet <laughs> before I ask you this question. I'm not trying to dump you out. We actually, we, you, you hit it at the five things, so we can't let you go without that. But sure. before we get there, uh, how can listeners find you? Where can we find that content? Where can they go to just find out more about what you're putting out? Yeah, so we have um, a lot of places you can find us. Um, so number one, uh, we have a ton of educational content on stalls.com or transferexpress.com. Those are our two top e-commerce sites. So I would definitely recommend checking those out to explore products. Uh, again, we do a lot of free samples uh, that you can navigate to there. Um, if you want to connect with us on social, we have a lot of ways as well. So we're on Instagram and uh, Facebook. One of my favorite communities that I participate in is our Heat Press for Profit group on Facebook. So I'm active there. I think we probably have some folks watching the episode from there this morning. And then, of course, if you just are into consuming uh, content, we have our Stalls TV YouTube channel where we publish at least three videos uh, every week. But the library is is where the value is. There's so many topics that we've already covered that you can look back through. And then I'd love if you guys would connect with me uh, on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm not hard to find. Uh, if you want to email me, it's josh.ellsworth at stalls.com. Pretty easy to remember as well. So thank you very much for sharing that. I mean, I, I think people don't understand uh, how valuable it is to have somebody who's in the industry looking out for you. And it's awesome to see 
how much you're looking out for everybody and willing to be out there and engaging with the community. I'll say being a part of those communities online, I have seen Josh out there answering questions in in the groups in the trenches. So this is not just, I know you guys sometimes when you see people on YouTube constantly and you guys have lots of subscribers, it may seem like here's the talent who's out there doing stuff. Josh is out there doing the work. So yeah, please get in contact and reach out. And as you guys can see, uh, we have all of those links and we'll have more of those in our show. Awesome. Thank you. All right. So with that, I do want to go ahead and lead into the five things. So uh, we're going to play our little jingle. We'll bring you right on because I cannot wait to hear Josh's five things. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining and listening to my five things you need to do to improve your sales results. Don't we all want to improve our sales results? Well, what if I can give you five things that you can easily implement to be able to do that? So number one is to create a sales process that is in alignment with your target market's buyer journey. Okay. That implies that you have a clear understanding of your target market, and then we need to understand who is making decisions within that market that I'm going to be speaking to. And so a sales process is critical. It's duplicatable. It's repeatable. It's something that's trainable. And if I align that sales process to the buyer journey, then I'm going to win. Let me give you an example on how that works. So in our sales process, we have uh, some stages. Number one is needs awareness. That's where the buyer becomes aware that they have a need that we are, as a company, uniquely positioned to solve. Step two in the sales process or the buyer journey is research and discovery. When somebody becomes aware that they have a need, what do they do? They go out and they research and discover potential solutions. A lot of times that happens through reading case studies, out on YouTube through watching content, or even through just picking up the phone and asking a question of the company that they're looking at. And that's really the third stage of our buyer journey, and that is inquiry. This is the part where the customer, potential customer, has done the research and they're ready to reach out and connect with somebody. They obtain the information that they want, and then they make a decision. Ideally, we would be able to move from any of these stages to a closed one status, but we know there's a few stages below that that the buyer could go through from price negotiation to just a stage we call review, which means the buyer has everything they have, everything they need, to make a decision, but they're in this stage called review. And what we try to do is drive actionable insights at each stage of the process so we can move the buyer comfortably through the conclusion that we all want if we're focused on them. So that's my second thing in my five things. It's focusing on creating insights that drive that top of funnel in an area that you're uniquely positioned to fulfill. So basically what that means is that I am marketing and creating insights in such a way that's making folks aware of needs. That pulls them in to the sales funnel and it's just them and I on the journey. Now I'm really positioned to win and I'm positioned not only to win, but to win quicker. That will result in a higher close ratio and a shorter sales cycle. Two things with which both reduce your cost of sale. My third thing is invest in a CRM to track success. As much as I like the yellow legal pad, this isn't something that's going to be translatable that you're going to be able to write out on every account. It's a great way to practice and start and sketch it out, but you're going to need a CRM or a customer relationship management software to be able to track your success and manage the journey. This will allow you to look at where the buyers are getting stuck, where you're having success, and ultimately address it regardless of what it is. 
And that's my number four thing on how to improve your sales results is track your close rate and analyze the why. Why are people buying or why are they not once they are in the journey? This will allow me to go down to a level of addressing that issue. Of course, if I know people are buying because I respond really quickly, what am I going to do? I'm going to make sure that all of my salespeople are responding very quickly to an inquiry. If I know that I'm losing people at the price negotiation stage, I know I have an issue with the value I've created. No, you don't need to sell at a lower price. You need to create more value or think about your target market to make sure your offer is connecting with them. Price pressure is an indication that you're not creating enough value, not that you need to lower your price. And the fifth way to increase and improve your sales results is put in the work. Evolve your plan and offer to create more value throughout the journey. This isn't something that you can instantly turn on and have success in in day one. But I can tell you from experience, this is something that has radically changed our results as a company by investing into a sales process that was connected to the buyer. I think it can have the same results on your business. So these are my five things. What are you going to do? I'm going to guess 5% of you will take these ideas and implement them in your business. Are you going to be part of the 5% or are you going to be the 95% that doesn't want to put in the work? Either way, you'll win or lose. We'll see which one. Awesome. Five things. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you. That's, that's fun. I don't, is that how it's supposed to be? Like you're just supposed to go for it? Yeah, just just go. Oh, <laughs> All right. it looks like uh, Terry, you are muted, sir. I'm still <laughs> muted. I, I, I wrote down, don't lower your price, create more value. But I wrote it on my yellow legal pad. So I don't hey, know. I that's yellow legal pad is so good for notes. But the CRM, <laughs> the ability to track and, and be repeatable and understand things over time, CRM is huge. So yeah, no. All right, on, I have that on my computer too. Okay. <laughs> oh, fine. <laughs> It's not all the old legal pads. <laughs> Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's awesome as always. A lot of great content. I'm gonna go back and review myself and and make some more notes. So, <laughs> yeah, we appreciate the the work that you guys do week in and week out to bring education uh, out to our industry. Uh, Aaron as well, who I know isn't here. Um, you know, we're excited that he's out at Skills USA and and supporting yeah. growth uh, into the industry and bringing up the next wave of youth uh, that are skilled workers that can connect into decorators. So, thank you. It's always a, a pleasure and a joy to be on. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much, sir. And thank you always. Like we said, we want to hear back from you, but thank you for being on. Thanks. All right. I mean, Fantastic. can you ask more than that? Seriously, that was an awesome episode. And everybody, like I said, Ramona comes in with the comment, and I have to agree with this. Josh, provider of jaw-dropping information. We've heard a lot of it many times before, but when you hear it from new people, it reinforces it. And yeah, hearing it from someone who's got some history, who knows better, and honestly has some data. That's Josh yeah. pulling out the data, just putting the smack down. Like, here's the actual data to follow up on that stuff. I'm like, all right, hard to question the numbers, folks. <laughs> All right. Well, I think uh, we are in bonus time, so not Aaron's fault this time, as nope. I li like to usually point out. But uh, <laughs> what do you have coming up there, Eric? All right. So uh, for me today, I've got the take up. So episode 117 is Stitches in Distress. We're going to talk about digitizing distressed art from machine embroidery. Everybody has had that distressed, destroyed, or otherwise textured art style brought into and wondered, 
hey, is this worth doing or is this just going to look like bad embroidery? <laughs> and frankly, there's a real question to be asked about that. Uh, we'll talk about how you might make sense out of rendering those surfaces or other textured art styles and just discuss a little bit about what it's like to try and do distressed looks for embroidery. In fact, uh, not to put in a, a, another plug for free for Josh here, but uh, I actually use some stalls distressed products and I really love those for some of the distressed heat press stuff that I use as a way to get that vintage distressed look. But yeah, head over to ericcampbell.com, uh, click the take up at the top menu for the full playlist and you'll see me on there today, 2.30 Mountain Time, once again, talking about distressed embroidery. Otherwise, uh, you'll find me at Fort Worth Impressions Expo is the next live event I have. Everybody keeps asking me, when will I be live again? Well, Fort Worth. So not until end of September, beginning of October. Uh, and you can check that out at impressionsexpo.com. I will be talking about making small run patches. So another thing adjacent to some of the stuff we talked about today. What about All you, right. Terry? Um, I have coming up, everything you hear about DTG printing on the internet is wrong. That will be July 21st at Graphics Pro Expo at the Meadowlands, New Jersey. Uh, DTG DTF Live Academy will be July 28th at Equipment Zone in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey. Go to EquipmentZone.com. Uh, my complete screen printing business class, uh, new location, Equipment Zone in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey, right outside of New York City. That will be July 30th and 31st. Uh, my uh, next screen printing class will be in Chicago, Atlas Screen Supply, August 27th and 28th. And my next class here in Phoenix uh, will be at Workhorse Products on September 17th and 18th. I'll also be in Fort Worth. I just need to get my uh, my seminars posted up there as well. And all my future screen printing class dates are on my website, as well as all the other events I'll be participating in. And you can find that at terrycombs.com. And uh, Eric, would you mind uh, sharing yeah. some of Aaron's events? Absolutely. Uh, Aaron has coming up on July 15th, the Growing Your Business Effortlessly, uh, effortlessly <laughs> better than I said it, uh, <laughs> workshop. The details will be up today, so check that out at OurSuccessGroup.com. So go, go and check that out from OSG. You'll get to see more about Aaron talking about that. So Growing Your Business Effortlessly. Uh, September 11th, you'll be participating in an International Online Small Business Skills Summit as a speaker. Uh, Small Business Skills Summit bringing you 30 experts over 30 days, and it's free to attend with limited access, but there's also a VIP package available with an early bird price that's good until the end of the month. So uh, check this out. You can go to osg.link, and I'll throw this into the comments, slash skill summit. And uh, the VIP pass is packed full of value. Uh, lots of good stuff coming out there, as well as uh, four live Q&A panel sessions, plus a dedicated channel with each expert. You can ask them for questions for seven days after the session. And uh, Aaron's session is called Conquer, Fear, and Thrive. Uh, September 15th in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Graphics Pro Expo is hosting the Start Here Academy. You guys know we have had some of the Start Here Academy people on, and Aaron is the MC. He will be doing that, so check that out at Graphics Pro Expo uh, slash Start Here Academy. You're going to find that also at osg.link slash SHA. Probably a better way, an easier way to do it for all of us here on the podcast. Uh, also, so uh, Sublimation Summit, Peachtree City, Georgia. Coming up September 23rd, Aaron's going to be there. Everything Embroidery Market, Myrtle Beach, North Carolina, uh, September 24th. And Printing United in Las Vegas. You know, the two other guys are going to be there. So October 19th through 21st, 2022, coming up. So all of these are coming up. Lots of stuff happening online and off for Aaron. I know you guys are going to be out there at Printing United uh, making the best of that booth. Exactly right. Looking forward to that. Hey, uh, you know, Erica, I know we're in bonus time, but I was watching the news last night and they were talking about 
Bill Gates buying up farmland all over and and this state's got 25,000 acres and this state's got 12,000 acres. New Mexico, one acre. He has one acre in New Mexico. So if, if, if there's an empty lot close to you, Bill Gates might own that. Hey, it's true. People buy acreage out here all the time. Uh, if it's not on fire, it might be good. <laughs> All right. With that, uh, I think we've come to the close of another show. Like I said, we're in bonus time, but what a good day to have bonus time. I, we can't thank Josh enough. So thank you to Josh Ellsworth from Stalls. Check him out. Stalls.com, Stalls TV on YouTube. We'll have those links in the show notes, but go search. You'll find Josh somewhere uh, all over social media. And thank you again, Josh, for joining us today. All right. And thank you, Eric, for being a guest host on, on fairly short notice <laughs> and, uh, and all the while pushing those buttons in the background. Hey, trying my best, try my best. <laughs> but suffice it to say, I'll be happy to be back in the background come next week. So next week, we're going to have a friend of the show and friend for all of us in the decoration industry, Christine Shreve uh, of her own podcast and business. And she'll be going to talk to us about trade show pet peeves. So this should be a fun one for all of us who uh, educate, train, or attend trade shows, which uh, just might include some of the people who are here with you. So uh, having Christine <laughs> is always great. And I'm really excited to see and honestly i think it's just going to be a really fun show to see could turn into a two week. or three parter i'm I have a feeling. <laughs> here's hope we don't just gripe about trade shows let's let's <laughs> let's try and have a little bit of education like a nugget in there that is useful actionable content not just us complaining <laughs> all right until then i'm terry combs he's eric campbell sitting in for aaron montgomery and we are for today the two regular guys here we go we're out! <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to Two Regular Guys. Check out our website at tworegularguys.com. That's the number two, regularguys.com. You can also interact with us over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tworegularguys, or send us a tweet, twitter.com slash tworegularguys. And we have a YouTube page. You can find all that from our website, tworegularguys.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to spending some time with you again next week.